It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome on Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. You know, someday... I should uh, keep that going, the video, because then there's some great shots of some spring flowers, yeah. and, and there's a grasshopper on your windshield uh, that nobody ever sees after we see Basil the dog and Legato can, can, the cat. Can you just let it run for a second? Uh, too late or now. Is that too hard? It, oh. we're, we're done. We're done. It's it, <laughs> it's gone. Goodbye. I still remember that, that uh, yeah, the grasshopper on my windshield. I'm just looking at it going, wow, that's a cool photo. That is a, you know what we're going to do? <laughs> we're we're going to do a, a different intro and make sure that part gets included because it's so odd. It's such a weird <laughs> photograph. And, and what was the story on that again? Oh, I was sitting at the traffic light, literally not even a half a mile away. And there was a grasshopper just sitting on my windshield. Grasshopper on windshield. Grasshopper uh, on windshield, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, or something. I don't don't ask me. But yeah. it just seemed like grab my phone, took a photo, sent it to you. Okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna go check okay. I've decided oh look at this. The chat is working this Yay! morning. How about that? How about that? All right. And Dan Costa's off to plant lettuce seeds and is hanging baskets. Uh, you know, I, I realized I was going to plant some lettuce seeds <laughs> and I realized I didn't have any lettuce seeds. I don't think I have anything. I might have old ones and of course they'll, they'll yeah, never yeah. germinate, but, but I've got to put them on a paper towel and see if they, I've got germinate. a lot of other things planted though. I mean, I've got, uh, some chard out there and some kale mm-hmm. and, um, I've got spinach coming up. I've got beets coming up. I've got. Uh, I I planted peas. I haven't seen them, uh, and they might even have been a little late. I probably should have done that two weeks ago. Uh, but we'll ask. Know. We'll ask. We're going to have snow, so I know. Well, the, they don't care. Um, but we'll ask our first guest, uh, uh, and our only guest, our of, only guest of, of the show today. Uh, in just a second, that's Melinda. So Myers. maybe we're the guests. Um, that's fine with me. You know, I just want to relax. It's a Sunday morning. Don't have to do any work. Uh, but I did want to do, it's it's kind of funny. We're talking about the the, uh, the uh, Restream chat box. And, and it means nothing to folks watching us. But to Peggy me, and me, it means everything in the world. Because, it means someone's out there. Well, no. What it means is it takes all of the chat from all the places we stream 
which is uh, Twitter and Faceborg. Resistance is futile. Um, and um, uh, you, YouTube, and that's spelled Y-E-W-T-U-B-E, um, and uh, our website. And it, it combines every, all of them into one chat stream. Last week, mm-hmm. we didn't have this, so there was Peggy frantically, <laughs> i got to find the stream. Where, where, where are the and comments? I'm on my phone, and I'm here, and I'm... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, it's back working, uh, and I chatted with uh, the folks at Restream, and they, oh yeah, we had a test. Didn't did we told you that? Didn't you see our notice? We sent something out on Twitter. Right. I'm like, are you? You've got to be kidding me, really? Who looks at Twitter? Uh, not me, uh, <laughs> except on Sunday, and then I'm all over it, which is not the way they want you to to work it. So what I decided is we need a we need a segment at the beginning of, of at least this show, and maybe every show. It's like. Because I, we can see um, uh, folks typing in, like Diana just said, uh, it's not your Diana, Melinda, it's another Diana. Uh, I found a morel on my walk this morning in Rogers Park. Make sure it's not poisonous, Diana, okay? Just, okay. Um, and uh, Shelly says she has carrots and potatoes coming up. Wow, I'm impressed. Um and uh, Zan says, let one lettuce go to seed every year. You'll never have to plant lettuce again. That's like my arugula. Uh, I had that for Okay, yeah. Uh, really, with the arugula, huh? Oh, yeah. It's uh, all coming Although I had, I had a disaster. Well, we'll get to it when we get to uh, probably. Well, I better say it now because I won't remember it. Um, <laughs> my uh, my uh, uh, parsley overwintered. And I was like, mm-hmm. yay, okay, parsley. And then, of course, last week, something ate it to the nub. And I'm like, Uh-oh. what? It'll come, come on, on my, man. My, my, parsley is, my parsley and my kale that I put in the hoop house, uh, the, the low little teeny hoop house, the Nikki Jabor hoop house is doing fabulously. So. Uh, you know, and I realize I'm going to have to put one out. We're going to, again, talk with Melinda in a second. But what I was thinking is, is um, since every week we start our show generally – with a, a a computer or app disaster that is in process. All right, this is a gardening show, but every week it's it's something is okay. Here's what's going wrong. Like today, um, just as the show starting, and I hit the stream button, and I figure we're we're going out there. Kathleen comes down the stairs, <laughs> yells to me, "I got nothing," and I'm like, "Okay, okay, great." Oh boy. Uh, uh, but I'm sure she does now. And I think there was a glitch of some kind uh, with the streaming. I don't know why. I it just started hit, early. I just hit the buttons. Uh, what do I know? I just it I'm started just, early. I saw I'm just that. a control panel guy here. <laughs> I'm I'm just a, an innocent show host who's trying to to put stuff they, together. They taught you well at Gargantua. In other uh, words. At Gargantua. Yep. Down the dial, uh, which is going to be on my tombstone. And. Um, uh, so what I was thinking is if, if our folks who are sending us gardening stuff right now, Daniel Costa says, parsley is a biennial, will only bloom the second year, so no good to use. Well, thanks a lot, dude. Okay, so. Um, Mine's fine. Uh, well, we'll it see. Will, it will bloom. It will bloom eventually. Well, I had, I had uh, my kale come back last year, mm-hmm. and it started, it, and the first thing it started doing was blooming. And I just was relentless. I just started pinching off blooms mm-hmm. every time. And it lasted the season. So what can I I've tell you? I've got third-year kale coming back right now. Well, so, you had you had the um, – what was the one brassica you had that kept coming back year after yeah, year? Yeah, I had the year. broccolini come back for four years in a row. Uh, I'm like, it's not supposed to do that. 
and I should have saved the seeds because I thought <laughs> I've got something special here. And last year it died. So mm. there you go. Uh, so I thought what, what our viewers and listeners could do is send us their computer and app malfunctions of the week. The top, the top malfunctions <laughs> of the week. Um, just oh if you got one, that's a quick one that like ruined your life for a day, pop it in the chat box. I'd love to see that. And just, and, and, oh we'll, and, and we'll mention Be careful it. careful what you ask for. Uh, well, as long as it doesn't affect me, what do I care? Uh, but I just thought that that might be kind of fun. So, uh, we'll do that. Uh, let's 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 skip all that other nonsense and and let's just go right to and and how do you like that little uh, that transition? I'm working with with cameras and shots and stuff Ooh. here. There she is, Melinda Myers. You got your sport coat on. That's, That's right. Oh, and by the way, this was in my sport coat. Uh, this is um, from Southwest Ooh. Airlines. It's uh, the pretzels. Uh, <laughs> it's because it says. Just because we like you. Thank you, Southwest Airlines. I have no idea how long those have been in this pocket. And there's they're sort of uh, crunchy now. I mean, well, well, they're in tiny little. So, but this is better than the other airlines because the other airlines make you bring your own pretzels and you have to give them to the crew and then they charge you for doing that. So just letting you know, that's why I like to fly Southwest. Um, I don't know, Melinda, I don't think Southwest operates out of Milwaukee, do they? I think they have a few limited flights, but I haven't flown anywhere like most people for over a year or so. Really? Um, Something been going on? Yeah, just something a little, just that little uh, pandemic thing. Oh, right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I heard heard about that. Uh, Hey, welcome back to the show. The last time you saw Melinda Myers, uh, she was um, checking her dignity at the door. (laughs) (laughs) And she was part of our It's a Wonderful Slice of It's a Wonderful Life. And she, okay, the best part Uh, of this... (laughs) The best part of this, and I put it in the blog post, and you go to MikeNovak.net to read about it, and you, there's also a link. If you haven't seen Melinda in It's a Wonderful Slice of, of It's a Wonderful Life, you, you, should, you should go check out the video. Um, she played God and then Violet within seconds of each other. So she played a deity and a tart within that. This is what I call range, okay? You have such range. That and was... I think I screwed it up, so that tells <laughs> me my range is not so good. Well, I'm going to teach but you. But you had Bedford Falls behind you. Which I love. Here's my faux pas technology-wise. I okay. had an arborist. We had a meeting for a committee for the Wisconsin Arborist Association on marketing for the tree fund research, you know, how we could be creative. And everybody goes, you're in Bedford Falls? And I'm like, oops, forgot to change my background. And of course, I didn't Yay. have you two to help me. You know, like, where's Peggy and Mike? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That is so good. Mike, can you turn up Melinda's volume just a little? I did already. I'm going to turn. Can... Oh, do I need to do something? I can do it. I can, I can. Okay, good. That's better. You oh, can oh. do it. Oh yeah, I I will do it here. Yeah, Before I already, Redford Falls pops up behind. I, <laughs> exactly. I already jacked it up a few points, but here we go. We try a little more, and uh, we I think we should be good to go. Um, okay, my daughter dropped her phone in a sink full of water last night. Total meltdown here. Hey, Nancy Bender, thank you so much. All right, there's our uh, 
so you so we've got Melinda's, we've got Nancy Bender's, and uh, and they're probably. We won't even talk about mine. They just. Uh, Did you have one? <laughs> no, it's just an ongoing. Oh well, <laughs> you can't isolate one. It's just part you. of. <laughs> it's just part of being this about. show. You know, one of the reasons I love having you on, Melinda, because. Um, I'm just going to relax. I'm going to I'm going to pour a little Bailey's into this, okay? <laughs> Bailey? Uh, yeah, uh, it's, this is after the mimosas, right? That's yeah, right. right. After, that's right. <laughs> First the mimosas, then the Bailey's and the coffee, and because I have an expert here, a walking talking writing expert, broadcasting expert uh, in Melinda Myers and, uh, I don't have to do anything. I just, I'm, I'm uh, just going to punch buttons here. Okay. And, uh, you'll handle the rest. Uh, but, uh, so you got to tell us, uh, what you're up to right now. Even, uh, I, let's, let's start with the plug. Okay. Why not? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, one of my partners is Pasquazi Home and Garden Center. And if you've never been there, it's an amazing place. Great plants, wonderful staff. I, you know, in Lake Bluff. In Lake Bluff, thank you, thank you, Peggy. Important point. And uh, nine seventy-five North Shore Drive in Lake Bluff. Yay! Boy, you're better at this than me. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to get rid of me. You got to get your Um, PR stuff down, Melinda. I do. Jeez. And uh, they're sponsoring. They sponsored a couple webinars. So the one coming up on May fourth at six thirty p.m. is Spring Flowering Shrubs. And you know, one of the things for me, I think, for all of us that are in the Midwest and North, and I know you have listeners all over but spring no matter when it comes whether it's january or may 20th um you know it's an important part to say okay winter is mostly done and here's some color to get us through and i think spring flowering shrubs just add so much to the landscape and i'm going to talk about those that not only have flowers in the spring but maybe some good fall color great for pollinators that are looking for sources of nectar this time of year and so i hope you can join me it's free and it's on their website, pasquazy.com. There's a, a picture of me. Just click on it, and then it leads you right to signing up for the webinar. You do need to register, but it's free. And uh, so I hope you'll join me. And then this summer, we're doing a call-in-with-your-question segment in July. And then fall, we're waiting to see. It may be in person. Mm-hmm. It may be a webinar. But they're Ooh. they're wonderful. I know. I miss- what? 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 In person? What's that? <laughs> well, I know. And the thing is, I, I, I have to laugh. I've saved money by not traveling because every time I go to a flower and garden show, right, you spend money. Oh, that's true. A new tool. I need I need it. Or that plant. Oh, you know. in your car. <laughs> just, just. Okay, I haven't come to that point, Peggy, but yes. You just per diem the government. Okay, come on. You know how that works. <laughs> So, yeah, so I want to thank them because webinars have been the mainstay of me communicating with mm-hmm. people other than media folks like you guys okay. to stay in touch and, you and know, garden a broader to audience. Share. Exactly. So it's been fun because I had, I think they weren't lying, someone from Australia. I have a lot of people from Canada and all over the U.S. and some, who knows, from wherever. And it, so it's fun because in the chat... And you guys know this. That, to me, is the community that we've developed. So mm-hmm. I do Q&A, and, and that usually lasts for an hour and a half, the questions and answers. But in the chat, I go, talk amongst yourselves. And so I'll go, oh, there's a webinar coming up. I can't remember. Somebody will type that in. Oh, the handout, where's the link? Somebody will add that in. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun because 
I feel like there's this whole community that's developed. I think we're we're adapting to the situation. Yes, in person is the best. But you know, you guys are radio folks, well sort of radio TV multimedia now, but you know, when you can talk to people it's great, but you can make yeah. that connection even virtually. And so, you know, that's what you do every week. And so it's been fun for me. Um, we're having a good time and uh, adapting and people are tuning in so that's great you know what i found out is that i haven't been hit by a tomato in over a year okay <laughs> and that is the best thing about doing these things online yeah, i think i think we could still arrange that <laughs> i was yeah, gonna say all Peggy sudden, looks like she's got a plan <laughs> yeah i don't know how that happens unless Kathleen's gonna come sneaking down the stairs i know it exactly it's like that uh, so and you, and you didn't even have to pay her for it, did you? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, I'd love to help you out. Uh, and by the way, that information about the uh, the uh, seminar at Pasquazies is on my website, mikenovak.net. Again, it's the fourth, and it's what six thirty to six thirty. Yeah. yeah. So you can grab your dinner or your glass of wine or favorite beverage, sit down and enjoy. That somebody once emailed because this is so nice because I'm in my pajamas and I have a drink in my hand and I can't <laughs> do that at the garden center. <laughs> And well, you could, but well, you could, but people would stare. But who cares, right? It's and it's uh, forty-five minutes uh, plus Q and A, and that's because right. Melinda runs out of material at about the forty-five minute mark. And... Yeah, I'm working on that. It's all I got, folks. Okay, and and then and then fifteen minutes into the Q and A, she says, "Cut them off." Okay, we're done. I'm out of here. <laughs> Talk amongst the, the yourselves. Funny, that's right. <laughs> the funniest part is I kind of watch the participants, and I've gone an hour and a half after my webinars answering questions. And Yikes. I keep making, I know. I keep going, well, as long as someone's listening, I'm going to keep answering. But when you're all gone, I'm gone. And so I'll yep. watch the, you know, and I get it. They got the information. They leave. But if you have a question, I have people hanging in there, and I'm like, well, if you're going to. If you can tolerate listening to me that long, I can talk. Okay. So, so, so at it's a fun. spring. At a spring flowering shrub seminar, what are some of your typical questions? Well, um, what can I plant? And then it goes anywhere from there. So I love to do some things that, um, are they deer, like, what, right? The most common question, will the deer and rabbits <laughs> leave it alone? And my, my answer is always, they'll eat anything if they're hungry enough yep. and there's enough of them. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I had that question in my last um, webinar. They said, can you give me some annuals that the rabbits won't eat? And I'm like, well, you know what? The population was high, the snow was deep. Obviously, that wasn't hurting the annuals, but they're now in the habit of eating in your landscape. And so it's time to look for some things. I do some work with Plant Skid, S-K-Y-D-D. -D. It's a weird name, Plant Skid. And it's an odor-based repellent. And it's uh, nursery people and folks are using it and having good success. And I treated the plants that are most susceptible, but the ones that have never had a problem, I thought, oh, I don't need to treat those. Well, the rabbits enjoyed a few things this year. So I went out and treated all my tulips that I thought were safe. And, you know, they cha their habits change, the populations are changed. So you just have to be prepared. And yeah, look for resistant plants. But every list I've seen, I've seen the animals eat them. So... Well, yeah, and the, and that's, that's the key is that when you look it up, you don't. It, it's always plant or animal resistant this plants. Thing. You're not yeah, going to get like water resistant. Same um, thing. Yeah. And as you say, if they're hungry enough, they'll eat anything. Uh, that goes for deer. That goes for rabbits. 
Uh, and uh, you, you're not the only one who's been disappointed to see that happen. And the other thing that I've heard about, and by the way, I, I know about Plantskin. It's a great product. They were an advertiser on, on my show back in the day. Um, uh, what I've heard about these products is that you need to mix your strategies that so sometimes you use one product sometimes you because there's a number of them out there that are they're efficacious and uh, and work pretty well and but there are other strategies too like motion detectors and fencing and 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 basically it's combine everything and you might have a chance of saving some of your plants it, definitely my father was a gardener and he had grew tomatoes and peppers you know he was a vegetable gardener and we had a cherry tree that we got for free when some shopping mall opened up many many years ago and the birds would eat all the cherries and the neighbor's cat would come through our cat lived in the house that the birds would dive bomb the cat didn't scare him my dad tried netting and it wasn't working because they get in underneath and so he hung rubber snakes on the, in the tree but didn't move them and the birds ate everything but like a few cherries and then they put the pits on top of his tomato steaks like <laughs> I won you know and I thought that was just the ultimate you know they're going to beat you because they have all day to figure it out <laughs> that's right that's all they're doing they're just and they can't down. Go to the grocery store. exactly um but uh speaking of spring flowering you know what uh do I have that photo here oh I mm. do I need to pop this up here it is Let's your, pop. your yard uh, this is my front yard, believe it or not. Um, oh, beautiful! Ooh, pretty. Um, the uh, those are the Robin Hood, no, Little Red Riding Hood tulips. It looks like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the they have the variegated leaves, um, and they're they're at their end there. That's why they're they look like they're supposed to have that shape, but they're all perfect. It, but they're they're starting to to lose uh, the the shape of the bloom. But behind them is uh, Caria japonica which I'm surprised that more people don't use. Uh, do you have any idea why? Because, and I'll tell you why it's there. If you look, uh, you'll see a tree, uh, two trees there, and one of them's almost completely obscured. Those are both in my parkway. And so I get very little sun in the summer. And so I was looking for a shade plant. And I know Caria uh, blooms in the shade. And for a while, when I first moved into this place, I was planting everything there just to see what would survive, and very little survived at all. I mean, hostas just melted because they're, they they couldn't get enough water, and I would just they would just disappear on me, and um, and then um, I I put the caria in, and it's done fabulously, and it's now it's around the base of the one tree, and I couldn't get rid of it if I wanted to. I know it's not a native, but it's just such a gorgeous plant. Um, uh, have you got anything to say about that, Melinda? It is a beautiful plant, and the stems are chartreuse, so in the winter, that adds value to your winter landscape as well, and there's a double flowering form. It is invasive in some areas, ah. so you'll, I know, mm. I was so disappointed because I love this plant as well. It just, it, like you said, in the shade, in dry shade. You know, right, dry trees, shade. It's hard, dry shade. And it blooms like crazy. And then in the winter, um, some hard winters, we would see dieback. I'm north of you, and even though I'm supposedly a 5A, I think I'm more like a 4B, but we'd get some dieback, but the roots would survive. So it wasn't a problem at all. Um, so just check um, invasive, you know, your Not, local yeah, department see, of natural resources. You're in the middle of the city. And... Well, I know that, but I don't even, I don't want to have invasive plants in, and that's part of the problem. And so I'm, I'm sure you're also telling people, 
Uh, Burning Bush, please don't. Um, and, oh, you bet. And Barberry. And Barberry. There are some sterile varieties. Um, don't believe it. Which is Jet Bead, which is Jet Bead, which is another shade tolerant in the Rose family. Cool Fruit, it's invasive too. So it's like, you know, take that one off the list, take that one off the list. And I think I was, I've been in the business a long time. So I've given out advice on plants that we didn't realize were a problem. And so I, mm-hmm. you know, I think nurseries are doing a much better job. They're working with invasive plant species committees to try to make sure that we're not introducing new problems as well. So it's, it, it's hard to keep up. Well, and every time I write, write about a plant, I try to do my best to mm-hmm. research where it's invasive. You know, it's like butterfly butterfly bush people are like well mine doesn't even live how can it be invasive you know and there are some sterile varieties that even washington state is allowed but then there's the no, concern of really? are they growing yeah i don't believe yeah, it because it. one one of the yeah, things but, that happens with sterile varieties is they they morph okay things right, exactly. change and then they, suddenly they're not sterile anymore and, and the and the uh the, the the key species in that regard is calorie repair. All right. Oh, the, yeah. The idea was that calorie repair, and everybody wants a calorie repair because they love the white blooms in the spring. I had a friend of mine t- a couple of weeks ago write to me and say, "Hey, I'm thinking of getting a red spire uh, pear." And I looked it up, and I went, I, "Oh, I got a hunch." And he goes, "Yeah, it's a calorie repair." I said, "Don't, just don't get you know get an amelanch here, get mm-hmm. a get a." Uh, um, a hawthorn, get you know, you wanted a smallish tree uh, that had blooms on it. I said, but don't get a calorie pear, please, because they're invasive. Yeah, and the other the and I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, I'm sorry. The other thing is, some people that even if it's not invasive in your area, is it being raised in a nursery where it is invasive, and so that may have impact on their local environment, mm-hmm. and so that's another consideration. And I, you know, part of why we garden is we we get to make those choices. So I I like the fact you guys, and this is what I try to do. Here are the facts as I know them. You know. Well, and, and I'll tell you, here are the facts and, about my my. Uh, Caria, uh, uh, Caria yeah. japonica is. I put it in when I didn't have any idea, uh, and I w- didn't know as much about natives at the time. It was it was it was almost two decades ago, and um, and I still love it, and it's still gorgeous. Uh, had I to do over again, yeah, I probably wouldn't plant it, but it's there now, and I don't think I could take it out if I want because <laughs> it's entangled with the roots of that that hybrid elm there, so it would be tough. Right. Exactly. And so, we all have to look at what we've done. And we all make those mistakes because we didn't know back then or weren't aware. Or the prior the owners put it in. Oh, exactly. And then it's so key to your landscape. At what point can you redo your landscape mm-hmm. and so, gradually maybe taking over, gradually taking over. So to to make good for all the people who are upset with me that I might have an invasive plant, um, boom, there's my here in bloom. And um, this is what I told my friend. I said, get an amelanch here. They're so cool. And they're four-season interest. I mean, it's they've got the blooms in the spring, the berries in the summer, the great fall color, and uh, the bark in the winter. It's It's great stuff. And the birds love the fruit. And I don't know where they poop the seeds out, but I've never seen seedlings when I had mine in the city. <laughs> and when I have one now that came with my house in the wrong place, it's kind of hot. So I'm putting in a couple more in, in a suitable places in case this one goes. Because it's one of my, the cedar waxwings and the robins 
come in that tree and clean oh my out goodness. the fruit right within a day. Oh, they're, yeah. mm -hmm. they're edible. They make great pies and muffins and just a handful when you weed if you could beat the birds. But I, I love watching the birds and I, I have to fill it. The tree does the job for me. And I, you're <laughs> right. I, and I don't get a chance to eat the berries. Last year, I put netting over one branch so that I could have okay. some berries. <laughs> And that was okay. it. That was the only the only berries I got off of the of the tree. But that's okay I'm with not me. Growing them for you. I mean, right? Uh, exactly. Growing them for the wildlife. Um, yeah, tree uh, uh, tree Skeetman is there. Hey, Skeet. Uh, he says, "Eat the berries on the service berry." Um, oh yeah, here's a, yeah. We got a question from Mike. Yeah, Michael. you got like two minutes here before we break. Let because uh, okay. I've got one of these too. Go ahead, uh, Peggy. He says, "I bought a Korean spice viburnum. Is it a good choice for the Chicagoland garden?" I love it. It's a great plant. The rabbits, this is one that the rabbits ate half of mine. Wow. So I'm going to get blooms on half. And I and it's one they've always left alone. It's been in the same spot five years. Fragrant. There's wonderful cultivars like sugar and spice. I have not seen anything about them being invasive. Um, and Spice Island is another one. So that are a little more compact. I don't know if you guys have anything, but nice fall color, good fragrance. Mine's right by my patio. I've got one. Door. I got one right out in front. It's in full bloom right now. Every time I walk out the front door, I get blasted with this fragrance, which is just even this week when it was really chilly, you, it cut through that the cold and you could smell it um i don't have rabbits here i do i've never had a problem with this uh shrub the only problem i have is that it's a tad too large for the spot because i have a very small area in front so i have to prune it every single year after the blooms is that on your are, parkway or is that up no it's the uh it's in the porch right next to the front porch uh in my tiny little i have like a a uh what is it, a five-by-six area, that, which is my front yard, uh, which is completely overgrown with plants right see. now. It's all full. Of, that's how you garden in the city, though. Yeah. yeah. yeah and that's one of the best ways. To, it's that's layering. Why when I, yes. But um, most of every square foot. I'm also aware that it's not a native, and there are native viburnums. Yes. So if you want to go that route, you can, but they don't have the fragrance that the Korean spice has. Um, and that's why I got it. And again, had I to do it over again, I'd probably still get it um, <laughs> because <Me> I love <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's in, gorgeous. And for Pasquazi, a few years ago, I did a, 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 a just a fact sheet on the variety, a variety of viburnum. So if you just info at melindamyers.com, I'll send out a mm -hmm. copy to you. Info at melindamyers.com and ask for the, uh, I think it's the recipe for success or low maintenance viburnums. And I'll get that to my team who answers those questions in a timely manner versus me. And, and so, and, and, and you can look sure right now, right below Melinda's oh. name, it says melindamyers.com, M-Y-E-R-S. For those of you who are just listening on the podcast, melindamyers.com. All right, we need to take a short break. We've got more questions. We've got more shrub questions here. So uh, this is great. Keep sending us your questions. Just type them into Facebook or uh, Twitter. Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> Resistance is futile. Um, and uh, and wherever you're watching the show, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. At Sitka Salmon Shares, we take pride in being a seafood company that's a little different. In fact, 10 seasons ago, our motto was we do salmon differently. 
Nowadays, we harvest 15 species of wild-caught Alaskan fish, but still call ourselves Sitka Salmon Shares because, well, we're a little different. Our difference starts with our fleet of fishermen Hello. who own a slice of the company mm. and are paid above industry average. They deliver fish to our docks in about half the time as other fishermen, which means higher quality of fish for you. And we never buy our fish from large processors where we don't know how each fish was caught or handled, like most other companies do. Another difference is our fish plant, which we own too. Our plant freezes fish about twice as cold and twice as fast as the other guys. This produces unparalleled quality at a cellular level. Ooh. Our difference extends to you too. By joining our community, you band together with thousands of other people who want to make a difference in the way that their food is produced. This allows our fishermen to harvest fish just for you, with the respect, thought, and care that the fish, the ocean, and you deserve. So, be a little different. Join us at SitkaSalmonShares.com. At this time of year, we spend a lot of time indoors with our plants, so help them thrive. The plants you're viewing were treated with Leafzyme, a foliage spray designed to activate beneficial microbes already present on the leaves. A spritz every few weeks promotes growth-enhancing microorganisms that process dust and other particles into nutrition that indoor plants can absorb through their leaves for beautiful and vigorous growth. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. You can help slow climate change in 2021 by composting. And you don't even need a backyard. By composting communally in multi-unit buildings across Chicagoland, Collective Resource Compost has diverted 7,000 tons of food scraps since 2010. CRC brings you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote with each pickup. You fill it with organic matter, they swap it out, and get it to a commercial composting operation. Fight climate change. Go to collectiveresource.us. And a couple of things I want to say about all of our great sponsors there. Mm -hmm. Let's start uh, from from back to front. And uh, Collective Resource is part of the Illinois Food Scrap Coalition. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking to them about some of the uh, initiatives going on regarding um, compost. Uh, and compost, of course, is, uh, is a wonderful thing, as everybody knows. And Melinda's uh, nodding. Um, and uh, so uh, uh, we hope you join us for that. Um, and uh, I've been talking to the folks at Blazing Star, and they're working on some cool stuff. And we're going to have Dennis Warnicky again from Tinyo Biologicals on the show very, very soon uh, to talk mm-hmm. about biology in your soil. It seems kind of arcane, uh, but you're not growing anything without biology in your soil. So uh, uh, we're it's looking the for biology. It's the biology, stupid. Thank you. All right, we got to put that in there. Uh, oh, and you know what I realized? Doing my job. Uh, I know you are. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, all I have to say to you is, uh, you have made me very angry, <laughs> very angry indeed. All right, so there you go. Uh, and uh, then uh, sick of salmon shares. Look who told me she got a, a share is Melinda Myers. Thank you, Melinda. That, and, I, and you folks from Sitka Salmon Shares, hope you're watching. Um, uh, folks, and, and, and it's wonderful stuff, isn't it? It's just amazing. Oh, it, it is. I heard the owners, um, I think one or both are from Wisconsin originally, and they were on Wisconsin yeah. Public Radio. And so they're very engaging and committed to their mission. And I'd been thinking about signing up, and then I saw through your show, and I said, 
uh, I'm going to support Mike and Sitka Salmon Share. And the it fish is amazing. It's kind of like you would go, ooh, what did we get this month? And fish is good for your diet. They're doing it environmentally sound manner. So, you know, they're they're just doing everything right. Their team is funny. They have recipes. They have the under 10, under five ingredient recipes, which is important for people like me that, you know, <laughs> I'm a pretty plain cooker. And so I go, okay, I'm going for the least amount of ingredients that I'm likely to have, but they have everything. Some more gourmet, some simple, they, they have fun. And I, I'm all about businesses that have fun like you guys too. So if you're not having fun, I don't, you know, life's too short. So yeah, I'm, I, I, hey, I, they, the product is excellent, excellent. I've bought salmon in the store and, and sometimes you get the best and sometimes it's like, ooh, I'm not going to buy salmon for a while. Yeah. We've never been disappointed. It's always, it's always the best when uh, mm-hmm. you get Sitka salmon shares. So in fact, we just got a, 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 a share uh, last week. Uh, right. Very happy with it. So uh, that's a quick plug for our sponsors. Welcome <laughs> well, back. And, yeah. And Bartlett. Uh, and you're Bartlett. Going to, yes, I know. What are you going to say about Bartlett, though? That's that's <laughs> the point. Every training the champion. And Skeet's <laughs> watching and Scott's watching. Hey, guys. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> well, let's give them a shout out, too. Uh, they're... they're Go ahead, uh, Melinda. I was going to say, and their team, they have a lot of certified arborists on their team. So I've, I've been lucky enough to work with some and meet some, and they do a lot of research. And so they're, they're an important partner in keeping our trees healthy in communities and backyards and front and, yards. And you're going to see some of those arborists uh, in about uh, 23 minutes. Uh, and uh, Peggy and I have been down to their research labs, too. It's uh, cool. pr- pretty terrific stuff. So. Uh, so there we are. Welcome back to the okay. Mike Novak show we- with uh, Peggy Malecki. We've still got more questions. And one They're of the questions, they are, this is amazing. I, you know, we might not, we're going to play at least one of your uh, Melinda's uh, magic yeah, moments. Or, or they can go to my, <laughs> yeah, they're not so magic. They can go to my website if they really need to see uh, them. Well, no, but we gotta, we gotta play at least one yeah. of them. Um, but the question that's coming up, uh, that I want to get to first, whoops, what did I just hit there, is uh, not about specific um, plants, but about what's going to happen on Tuesday of this week when the cold front comes down. Um, and we're, and not, we're not just talking shrubs, because shrubs, usually they can handle themselves uh, unless uh, they're just in, the buds are, are, are just, have just come out. Uh, but um, what are you planning to do in your yard to protect your plants uh, come Tuesday? Well, I'm behind. Um, I'm up in Wisconsin, so when you're t- my vernum, viburnum is just in bud. Um, I just cleared the weeds out of my saffron. My asparagus is just coming up, and like you said, uh, some plants are going to tolerate it. One thing I do want to mention about trees and shrubs: the flowers are very susceptible in some species, so you may lose the blooms. That's you know, if you're in the north, that's typical of what happens on those crazy late spring frosts. Um, if the leaves, you mentioned, if the buds are open, the leaves may be damaged. But the good news is, plants are very adaptable, and they they create mm-hmm. adventitious buds, so they'll send out new leaves. So just be patient. Um, I'm a huge fan of row covers, uh, poly propylene spun fabric and you throw it over lets air light and water through but traps the heat and the benefit of that is 
you know, we have those frosty few days and then it's nice and maybe a frosty few more days and I'm kind of lazy. And so, you know what, I can put it on, anchor it, leave it on. Mm -hmm. I can water through it if it's dry or if it rains, it gets watered. I don't have to pull it off to let the sun in, cover it up in the evening. It's in place. And I use it a lot to jumpstart the season, even if there's not frost in the forecast, mm -hmm. um, just because you never know. But our nights, our days can be kind of chilly, you know, even yep. in June, right? When we get 40 degrees, your tomatoes are in the ground. Sometimes you'll get brown spotting. It can stunt them and delay them. So giving them a little protection, even though it's not frost, can help speed up your harvest as well. So I, I things that have, I'm, I've got plants I'm starting to harden off in and out. Um, I know you've put your some of your tropicals out, Mike. Mine are not going out for a while. Well, you yet, live in so Milwaukee, okay? You're exactly. in Milwaukee, and I'm looking out there. I was looking just this morning, and there's probably I'll probably bring most of them in, uh, if not all of them, uh, it, because uh, Rick's. I think Rick DeMaio is going to tell us we're going to get below freezing uh, at least mm -hmm. one of those nights. Um, further out, yeah. But I don't have that many out. I, I put it, but, but they've been out for a week and a half, which is great. They they like that, and you know that's part of the deal. Uh, I, what I've found about tropicals is they're much more cold tolerant than you think. All right, it's it. You don't have to bring them in every time you get to forty five degrees. Uh, a lot of them will tolerate anything right up to the freezing line. Um, you, but you have to experiment. You have to know which of them. Like for instance. Uh, I'm not putting my Diffenbachia out there. I think that would just be, be, it would be on the be ground. That might be the end of your, yeah, your, your, your Ming Aurelia <laughs> might just. No. Yeah. No, my Ming oh. Aurelia is outside right now, hmm. and it's been handling it pretty well. So, uh, and, but there, and you might want to point out too that you're in the city, so you have the urban heat island, a very sheltered location. Right. Just because I tend to give very conservative advice because I'm never sure if I say, "Oh, wait until this right. temperature and ah, close enough," and people put it out and it dies, then I feel responsible, or they think <laughs> I am. So I just wanted to save you a rotten tomato coming at you. Uh, oh, thank <laughs> you, thank you. All right, find another reason. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And uh, uh, so that. Uh, for people who are panicking and say, well, I don't have a row cover, where can they get one? Or, or what can they use instead of the traditional road cup, row cover? So I, my friends always make fun of me because I have stuff all over my house. And it's <laughs> stuff that like old bed sheets that mm -hmm. are not worthy of being on the bed, right? Yep. And the fitted ones are great because I could put those over my <laughs> raised bed and yep. sewed up the Been holes there, and that. the rips, right? Ah, <laughs> the fitted ones. Ah. I know. They're perfect. or over your containers. And so I do have that stash that the joke at my house is, oh, frost is in the forecast. Let's wait till 10 at night to cover those plants and when the winds are 15 miles an hour yeah. because it wouldn't and be And you've fun. got a headlamp on or holding the <laughs> flashlight in your teeth, one of the two. Oh, exactly. It wouldn't be frost protection otherwise. So you're the great point. And I find, you know, I've even left the sheets on a couple days if it's kind of, you know, frosty mm -hmm. throughout. But you do need to eventually let the sun shine in. But so I just have a place I stash all of that out of the way so that in fall when I'm trying to you know we get a or even spring you get a frost and then it's beautiful mm. and and so if you cover those plants so which plants are you going season. to which plants are you going to cover which ones are you so, are you concerned with so you know what i don't have anything out there in need of covering because i haven't it's been so cool we had 30 27 degrees this week 27 degrees so <laughs> i'm i haven't yeah. been planting you guys so, you guys are 90 miles I, north and you're two weeks behind chicago yeah 
Exactly. And I'm out in the country. I'm at least now, a week so. behind your garden, Mike. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got all this stuff flowering, and well, I don't. Have... And again, a lot of it, as as uh, Melinda says, is the heat island. So I get yeah. the benefit of that here. Uh, which will not yeah. be good uh, once uh, you know the average temperature is ninety seven but uh, right now it's it's a good thing and and yeah. I think that's a great point to keep in mind because go with what you've got in and so I've delayed planting knowing that I have a lot of transplants under lights inside mm-hmm. my tropicals I'm going to start I thought maybe this coming week but maybe I'll wait you know giving them that hardening off I have shrubs I've overwintered in my unheated garage I'm hop- popping those on carts I found that works great for me my car sits outside um, I have a driveway so I'm lucky that way and then I roll them out to start hardening them mm-hmm. off and then I can just roll the cart in on the cold days and so the only thing up my asparagus is just peeking through my rhubarb if rhubarb freezes don't use those stems that I was reading from some university that the I think it's oxalic acid in the leaf part, that flat blade that we don't eat that's poisonous, can move down the stem if it's frost damage. So just compost hmm. those frosted ones. You'll know. You'll know yeah. if it's, been, it's limp. You wouldn't want to yeah. eat them anyway. But throw them in the compost pile. They'll send up more leaves. So I oh, was yeah. debating, do I cover my rhubarb? Eh, there's always more than I need. So <laughs> I think I'll let it. I'll take my chances. Yeah. What, one other thought I had on the floating row covers um, that I've used to hold things in place, especially if going around a flowering shrub like I did on my pawpaws last year, um, plain old wooden clothespins. You know, and, They're and really good go for, and- that's how you secure it. Ah, good, and in good the point. in the media world, they call them. I think there are fifty sevens. And I was with a, a video crew, and I'm like, "What are those?" And they're just the clips, and I'm sure they cost a lot more money than if you buy the regular clips. Right? That's not no, 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 no. The, you gotta have the wooden ones. I'm gonna run out and get a. I'll show yeah, you a close no, up. No, no, plain ones. old wooden clothespins yeah. work fabulously to secure floating roll covers. And then go buy them where they sell them as clothespins, or you'll pay more because yes. they'll call them rope yes. covers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Thing. Yeah. Good or, or you can and pick them up I'm used cover a lot, my too. viburnum now that you mentioned that. So maybe I need to cover my viburnum. Yeah. It's got a few, and my Daphne is getting ready to bloom. So, yeah. See, you're in that. Uh, right. Those. With me, my, mine are, are wide open. They've been uh, open for a week uh, on the yeah. viburnum. I don't care at this point. My, my I pear do... tree is getting ready to bloom. Uh, yeah, uh, my uh, crab is getting ready to bloom, but it's 25 feet tall, so there's nothing I'm going to do about that. Exactly. Uh, but uh, Jeannie asks, uh, woodland flocks, what about, that's just starting to bloom. Will the weather kill off the blooms there? Or can, and, and again, it's going to depend, as Rick said, he calls a hard freeze four hours or more at 28 degrees or less. That's his definition yeah. of a hard freeze. Okay, so you have to think about that because if it dips down to 29 or 30 um, for an hour, it's usually not going to cause a severe problem. And depending on what's over top, granted, your tree leaves are probably not out, but there might be enough structure from the trees. You know, because you notice when frost settles too, it frosts in open air, the frost settles in open yeah. areas, low spots. I woke up one morning, I'm looking out the window and I'm like, what is that stuff? What is it? You know, it was frost, but it, it was just in a pocket low on the property and I didn't see it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So again, kind of reading, losing something to frost is very sad. But it's an opportunity to learn. Okay, make a note if you need to. Hey, when frost is in the forecast, the hard freeze, 
then these are things I'm going to cover because they're worth the effort and they're more susceptible. So good, good question. Yeah. Uh, no, and, we didn't give a definite answer, but good question. So, but, and, We've got and, a few other questions. I know, too, but so. remember also that a lot of spring blooming plants are pretty tough. Exactly. And, you know, we're in April, mm-hmm. so you're not getting 12 degrees out there generally in April. Yeah. It's, it's something in the 20s. Is it, yeah, at Trillium, the May apples will all just keep going. And I, last year, I think it was last year, we had a really cold snap, and I have a yellow magnolia, and I had some peaches that were in bloom, and I'm like, these are not going to make it. And they made it, and it was yeah. in the 20s, but it was for a short period. And again, right. they were too big to cover, so it was kind of like, well, no peaches this year. Yeah. And I was lucky. We got and bloom. They survived. I, I, I had uh, the Channel 5 crew come out to my house several years ago um the day before one of our april snows and they and i had everything blooming out in front and they they were taking it it never made it on the air but uh you know how those things go uh and they said so what are you going to do uh to protect them i said nothing it's going to snow what do i care you know it's uh and and a few of them drooped and then they bounce back and that's that's what happens yeah. uh, for a lot. And Scott if it's, just said his pansies got frosted and came right back scoffing at the frost. Well, pansies are I, tough, okay? Exactly. And, you know, my kale, like yours, mine overwintered. It looks great. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's on Oh, no, that was last year. This year, cold... it didn't make oh, it. <laughs> didn't it? Last year, it made it. Yeah. it insulated. Well, it did, but, and it yeah. came up um, in through the, when the snow uh, disappeared. I thought it was going to make it this year. And yeah. That it's just oh, declined well, and declined and declined no, and now it's gone. We got four years, right? You said you got four years. No, no, no. Out. That was the broccolini. Oh, was, oh okay. okay. But the kale well, I had was covered. My kale with a double row of um, okay. the heavy floating row cover, okay. and it made it through wonderfully. Yeah, that was. Right. I had snow, so I was lucky. Okay. All right, all right. We've got. There's just. Uh, this is great, though. We've got lots of yeah. uh, lots. Of, I have a question that uh, a friend of mine. Um, he sent me a text with some photos and he, and he, and he sent this and he said, it looks like onions are growing in it's, I know it's kind of hard to see, but it looks like onions are growing in my lawn. Um, and, and, uh, I thought I would ask the expert here what we're witnessing. And the question is, there's lots of types of allium out there and onions and, and by the way, (laughs) Uh, he said, "This uh, was. See my lawn. This is what he's grow. He's growing uh, elsewhere in uh, his yard. Those look like, um, boy, they look like uh, the the Egyptian onion to me. Right, yeah, the walking like onions. onions. Walking yeah. onion. Uh, so if we go For back Egyptian, to, yeah. but this is coming up in his lawn, and and I said mm-hmm. to him, um, you could probably dig it up and transplant it if if you really want to. But it looks like he's got so many. I don't think he needs. I don't know how many onions no, do you and, need. And there's tiny, tiny, tiny bulb. If that's what I think it is, tiny bulblets everywhere underneath it. Um, so they're in everybody's lawns around here. What I wanted to ask you, Melinda, is: Are these onions uh, sending seeds out? Is that how they're reproducing in the lawn, or is there something else going on? So, and Peggy, see, I I grow chives and I love them as an ornamental, but they're taking over my garden and mm-hmm. I'm digging them up and they are everywhere and the seeds sp- spread. And that's how alliums spread. They'll send out bulblets 
okay and then they also produce seeds and they're tiny seeds and they can travel pretty far and, and birds can take them and you can spread them and and Peggy you are you thinking a, a particular onion like one of the wild onions or garlic that is these are the ones one I'm thinking of they are everywhere and they get the yellow flowers with a little bit of green on them and star of something or another oh no no that's star, oh, that's star, of, Bethlehem. star of Bethlehem is a no lot, that's shorter it's that's not shorter. an allium though this is yeah about, this yeah because the ones that I'll, I'll have to send a photo but these are a good oh, six to eight inches most but, of these but this look, looks to me looks like a, an allium um and i said you know pinch the leaf and let tell me if you get an onion smell um and uh he also wanted to know uh you know can i eat them well yeah i you know i take my ornamental um chives and uh we use them in our salads and they're fantastic and, and Peggy brings up a good point. When you send a picture, because I do work with Birds in Bloom magazine, and I get pictures from all over, and I keep saying, mm -hmm. tell me where you live, <laughs> when it's blooming, and how big it is. Because pictures are really deceiving yeah. when you look at them. I mean, that had some good scale to it, and there were three of us to kind of go back and forth and say, <laughs> what do you think? So that always helps. But any, the more information you provide somebody, whether you're going to the mm -hmm. garden center, you're, you're sending something here to the show, it's just really helpful because it narrows, oh, well, you're this area, that wouldn't grow here. Or, oh, it's that size. Okay, we can rule those out. Oh, it bloomed now. Then that helps. And the color of the flower, too. You know, if you ever mm -hmm. look at a weed book, when people bring me leaves and baggies, when, you know, when I make appearances, live appearances in the spring, I'm sure you guys have received those, too. Is it a weed or is it a flower? You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. there's so many leaves that look alike, and I'll send them home and say, well, send me a picture when it's in bloom. And, because... and, please, and please don't open the baggie. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, after my hand's oh, in there, you, oh, yeah, you okay. think it's poison ivy? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you told me. Or, or, or too many or, times. And, and, yeah, and don't dump it out in the woods when you leave here, okay? Please don't do <sighs> yeah, that. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. And I can understand why garden centers, they're just terrified that people are going to bring in, you know, uh, their the instructions are, please seal mm -hmm. the bag tight and leave it in in the bag yeah. and and then we'll yeah. figure out what to do with it all right let's we have just a few minutes left i have to do one of well, these can, for you can, can i ask one quick question oh sure judy wanted clarification what oh, was right. the invasive white flowering tree to avoid um yeah and that is calorie pear and whether you know the 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 famous one is bradford pear bradford and um, spell calorie C A L C A L L E R Y. All right. And um And the other problem is they have beautiful fall color, but if you're in the north, the frost often kills it before you get the fall color. So another mm -hmm. reason not to plant if invasiveness isn't enough. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. You should interrupt. And the problem yeah. is uh what they're gonna tell you is oh well this one's sterile. And what we're finding out is one sterile variety can combined with a different sterile variety and have offspring. And they're showing up, and along interstates particularly, you see these white blooms everywhere in the Midwest. Um, it's a problem. And the problem, and okay, here's where I get in my soapbox a little bit, is the industry still sells them, all right? And they know better. The, the gardening industry knows better. I've, I went to a conference, it must have been six or seven years ago on invasive plants, and the industry is saying, well, just you got to give us five years because we got inventory. Well, it's six or seven years now. Have you gotten rid of all your calorie pairs? No, they have not. So there's my soapbox. I'm sorry. And I know that you, you deal with 
nurseries more than I do, so you don't have to say anything at all, Melinda. I'm just being the radio guy here. Well, and I get, and they hire me because they know I'm going to say good, provide good advice, whether it's something they sell or not. Yeah, so I just make I some... only work with those companies that will let me well, say you... what is the truth. Right. Oh, so, and then people make that decision. You're right. And I, and I hear what you're saying, and I talk to them as well about what are you selling. And you, you know, can still buy, problem. you know, burning bushes and, 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 yeah. um, and chokeberry is such a better option. The fall color is as brilliant. It has flowers, it has fruit. For even if you don't care about invasiveness, chokeberry is native and a better option. I and mean, what, and got... what do you see in these big box stores? You see, you see, uh, burning bush, you see barberry, you see euonymus, and you go, Come on, there's there are so many better options than that. Uh, yeah, it's just it's garbage. What are you what are you selling yeah. people? And it, it, it leads to the bigger of how do you change the perception of what people think they want in their lawn or in their yard. Well, a good that's a good point. And that's our job, right? Is to help them see other opportunities. All right, let's take. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, Scott, that's another hour of show, <laughs> right? And, and and Scott says concern for magnolia blooms always this time of year. So if you've got a magnolia, you're just crossing your fingers right now. If you're in the Chicago uh, and Midwest area where we're going to get some cold weather in the next few days, and it's just about to bud or it is budding rather, um, yeah, you're crossing your fingers because mag- this is the upper range for magnolias. Um, the, the little girl series sometimes will put out sporadic blooms later in the season, not that big glorious spring show or when you, the one you watched Killed by the Frost, but sometimes you'll get some sporadic bloom like on Betty and Jane and Anne um, later in the season. So if you're thinking small scale, that kind of hedges your bets a little bit. All right, let's show this because I I I been, I'm determined. <laughs> I held I, I loaded I loaded four I, of these. Okay, and you I, hit the you button. Figured hit it the out. Button. Okay, I'm gonna hit the button. There's no sound at the beginning. I don't know why that is. We'll ask Melinda when we finish this. Uh, but here you go. Increase your gardening success by selecting plants suited to your cold hardiness zone and other environmental conditions. Hardiness zones reflect the average minimum temperatures for an area. Buying cold hardy plants helps reduce losses when extreme winter temperatures occur. You'll find the USDA plant hardiness map printed in garden books and catalogs. Locate your town on the map and match the color of your region on the map key. Or enter your zip code at the USDA plant hardiness map website and your hardiness zone and minimum winter temperature range will appear. Each hardiness zone represents areas within a 10 degree Fahrenheit range of minimum temperatures. This zone is subdivided into five degree segments to more precisely represent that area within each zone. The lower the number, the colder the winter temperatures. I'm Melinda Myers. Check out our website for this and other gardening tips. That's Melinda Myers. She's good. Why don't you do stuff like that, Melinda? (laughs) I have to tell you a funny story. I was doing a a workshop for some preschoolers, and this little girl goes, my grandma and I watch a woman that's the same name on, you know, the radio (laughs) TV station. I said, well, that's me. No, that wasn't you. It's someone else named Melinda Myers. I went, well, I'll have to check her out. (laughs) You don't argue with a four-year-old. Exactly. No, no. The other one is spelled M E Y E R S. Exactly. Right, so. Oh, too funny. Uh, okay. Well, 
I think um, we're 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 about out of time here, which is you know what, and that's the thing. Uh, and, uh, you're welcome, Judy. Judy thanked us for giving her the name of a cat. You know, uh, if 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 you're going to buy a pear tree, Judy, ask them is that a calorie pear. <laughs> And they'll tell you. I mean, you, you can, or you can look it up. I mean, that's what I did with the red spire, yeah. and I went, "Oh, it's a calorie pair." No, don't get that. Um, but uh, you know, and and I, it's just that there are so many great trees out there, and uh, and if you can get a native, that's that'd be fan. If you can get an oak, uh, but not everybody wants a mature, a, a, a huge tree. Some they want smaller trees, and they want trees that uh, with spectacular blooms. Well. Mm-hmm. Get a red bud, get an amelanchier, get a, a hawthorn, get uh, – uh, oh, we did have somebody real quick um, ask about planting uh, a spice bush. Um, uh, what, what, Nine what, bark and spice bush. Yeah. What, you got any planting advice for those? Uh, they're both great plants. Nine bark – I was just reading an article about the cult, nativars, the cultivar of the nine bark, and there's a lot of debate on cultivars of native plants. But with your nine bark, well, both of them, good bright sunlight, morning sun at least for the viburnum. If you can get full sun all day for the nine bark, you'll have fewer problems. Some of the newer introductions are more powdery mildew resistant. So look for that on Diablo got bigger than most people planned and had a lot of problems with mildew. So some of the newer introductions, very um, scaly bark, which is beautiful against the winter sky. Um, The foliage is nice. Um, Their flowers are not as noticeable. I think the fruit could be very interesting. I have Amber Jubilee. I love the orange. It's a cultivar of our native nine bark, but it's got orange, green, and purple leaves, and they're just emerging, and they look beautiful in the garden. So lots of color as the leaves emerge, and they hold most of it throughout the summer. Well, all I got to say to you is that we were were hoping to put you on the spot. (laughs) Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> so that was. Uh, <laughs> you know what I discovered in, in, in going through all these, all these clips is that uh, all the funny stuff that's on TV today. Monty Python did it forty years ago and and did yeah. it better. Um, one more. Our chief weapon is surprise. Surprise and fear. Fear and surprise are two weapons. Our fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency are three weapons. Our fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope are four. <laughs> I miss Python. Oh, oh yes. here we go. Uh, Melinda, as always, uh, I don't know why we don't do this ever. Oh, I know why we don't do this every week because you're busy. You've got stuff to do. Uh, and, well, uh, invite me back for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I got to space out my visits so the joy lasts a long time. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and I'm buying it. Okay. <laughs> and, and you're going to do wonderful slice with us again uh, this oh, December, right? I'm coming costumed, and I'm going <laughs> to do a better job. So uh, let the, me tell you, I'll be ready. The, the co- She's the, practicing already. The costume, costume as God or as uh, Violet? That's what I want to know. As God, because I could wear a robe and cover all of the sins of the holiday. <laughs> okay. Violet, don't have the. All right. What, 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 one more plug. So your free online seminar Tuesday, May fourth. Spring flowering shrubs, six thirty to seven fifteen. Register at pasquazi.com. Thank you much. I hope to, I hope a lot of you can join me. We'll have a lot of fun. Uh, Not this much, but a little bit fun. <laughs> oh, spell the name of Mike's beautiful yellow flowers on his tree. That's F L O W E R S. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you meant. There comes a tomato. You need a virtual tomato. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that's Caria Japonica, K-E-R-R-I-A, Japonica, as in Japan, J-A-P-O-N-I-C-A. So, uh, and one more. This is this is really good. The great way to end uh, things here is that uh, Judy writes. Google hates all sixty-five of my passwords, so um, <laughs> so it's Sorry, not Judy to laugh, but but it's not Judy. It's so her husband. Even Judy. Oh. It's her husband, and and he's and that's the other thing. Google hates your own account uh, because you have to go by your wife's account. So Google hates all 65 of my passwords, so I'm using my wife Judy's account. Come hate Google with me. Well, hell, yeah, I'll do that. Add them to your list, Mike. I, you know, I already got Facebook and Amazon and a whole bunch of people on that list already. So there we go. Uh, okay. Melinda, you have a great Sunday. We'll talk to you. You guys, too. Uh, very, very soon. And uh, you'll get through the, the, the freeze uh, on Tuesday, you- I'm sure. You guys, too, will compare notes or dead black leaves, but the uh, plants will be fine. Just all plants. right. It's <laughs> okay, the Mike Novak Show. You, you bet. Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. We're talking Earth Day when we come back. The best thing about my job is the excitement of uh, waking up every morning just wondering what the challenges are going to be that day. So how do you like my office? We lead with safety. It's the first thing that I think about when I wake up last thing I think about when I go to bed. We've got a number of employees in the office, myself included, who've been, been around for 10, 15 plus years, so people enjoy working for the company. Staff retention is a thing that we're very, very keen on. It's no secret that the world of arboriculture is a male-dominated industry, but there is a fearless group of women out there that are determined to change that, and I'm really proud to be one of those women. At my office, I feel like you could take just about anyone, put a crew together, and send them out to a job and have it be successful. And that has to do with trusting the people you work with, feeling safe around them, and knowing their strengths and weaknesses. One of the proudest moments working uh, with Barlet for me was being the first to do training in a Spanish class. Bartlett is all about promoting from within. We really want to focus on our people and make sure that they're trained, make sure that they understand their role and slowly grow through your experience and then you improve and, and move on to different roles within the company. There's always new positions, even at a base level, myself included. I started off as a climber and I've worked my way through to being local manager in the office. Bartlett has been really great about recognizing any kind of roadblocks for different genders, different races, people of different nationalities, and just kind of taking a bulldozer to all of those roadblocks. Every tree needs a champion. 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 Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soupçon of humor. Or is that a dash? Brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. 
All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root of bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make me music, porches, lawn And welcome back. Uh, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm looking at the kale that you just showed. That's the kale that overwintered. Uh, your kale. Okay. Yeah, the kale in one of those photos. Cool. Uh, Still there. And yeah, we've so we now know who Judy's husband is. Uh, it's Bob. Oh, I know. The Rogers Park stalker. Bob, Bob's got a like, non-recycling city trashman. Um, right. Uh, uh, I I have to tell you a story about Bob and I going out and trying to see if uh, uh, some trucks were throwing recycling into uh, the trash. Um, and we had an adventure back in January. It was it was kind of entertaining. Um, and the next time I do, and we're going to have um, Marta Keene from Will County, um, uh, a recycling specialist there uh, on the show in May. And uh, we're going to talk about the developments in the city of Chicago. They fired uh, waste management and they hired... Lakeshore recycling, which sure. I, I think is a good thing. Um, that's will it, that's will it, the hauler will, up here. Will it fix? In Lake County. Yeah. Will it fix our problem? Probably not. Um, but it's got to be a good first step. And the, there's a report coming out from the Delta Institute on recycling. My my question when I found out about Lakeshore and I posted this on social media was, um, why didn't the city wait until after the report from Delta before they? moved and and changed their provider but you know that's that's up to them uh but it waste management set a pretty low bar so it can't be much worse than it is now in the city of chicago um i was jealous because speaking about composting um i went to uh uh the uh, ifc uh the uh, illinois food scrap coalition um and um, IFSC, to mm-hmm. to uh, they have a a list of municipalities in the region that do food scrap composting, and it's huge. And I'm you know we can't even get yard waste picked up in the city of Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. It's they're violating state law, have been forever, for at least twenty five years. Um, and uh, and then they say, well, you know. I, I sat in a meeting when I was with the Chicago Recycling Coalition with uh, with some lawyers who said, yeah, yeah you, could, you could pursue this, but um, they'd find a way to dodge it uh, with the uh, fine points of the law, so it's not really worth it. Um, and I went, oh, okay, so yeah, let's just violate state law and not pick up yard waste, okay. Uh, but uh, so I, I'm – and I'm, I'm trying – I should have had this uh, ready – Ahead of time, give me two. Talk amongst yourselves, Peggy. Yeah. Uh, well, we got a comment from Scott who says, We, Bartlett, trimmed the great London plane tree to the left of St. George's Chapel for Prince Philip's funeral, and the tree looked amazing on camera. Wow, that is so cool. Uh, good for them. Good. Bartlett's uh, terrific. They are just wonderful people and they know what they're doing. Um, and I'm I'm looking for the information. Why don't I have? What's that? What are you looking for? I'm looking for um, uh, who we're gonna. You know, and I 
I should have all this in front of me, but I never know what I'm going to be talking about. Ah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> this is my problem. Uh, this is a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Benjamin Crumstock, who's uh, president of Composting Partners, is going to be with us in a, in a couple of weeks um, to talk about composting and, and the various things that they're doing at the um, Illinois Food Comp. Posting food scrap coalition. Food, uh, food scrap coalition. <laughs> too many, too many uh, uh, acronyms. Uh, so uh, he was uh, the one that had sent me all this. He sent this incredible email with all these links and all this information. I said, mm. "Okay, come on, dude. Let's cut. He's been on the show before. I said, "We you got to come back on the show. Let's because uh, composting is so important. Is one of the reasons we have collective resource compost." Um, as a sponsor, because that's uh, even if you can't do it in your own backyard, and I do it in my own backyard, mm-hmm. um, you get, give them a bucket, put your stuff yeah. in a bucket. So You'll come pick it up. Anyway, uh, welcome to Earth Week coming up this week, mm-hmm. and fifty um, first fifty first anniversary 51st of the first Earth Day of the first Earth Day. It's just terrifying when you can remember the first Earth Day and um, still be around. And that was just about clean air at that point in 1970. And so there's going to be a lot going on this this week. And one of the things I've done, if you go to the website, MikeNovak.net, scroll down to Celebrate Earth Week 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the blog, on this week's blog, on this week's blog post, yeah, you got to go to the top of the page. Uh, actually, Kathleen I'll puts put. a link. If you just go to the home page, and you're you're watching the show uh, there, and I hope you are. Hope I you're just visiting put the link up there and restream. It, yeah, she says she has the. Uh, you just click on the link there. It says practical and reliable talk from Melinda Myers, and I didn't even mention that. What a, I should have said that while she was on. I stole that from her website. Because I was doing my 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 speaking of uh, computer apps and stuff, I was doing my very hated SEO as I was putting the blog together. And of course, those of you who are in the biz know it means search engine optimization. Ew. And I'm trying to figure out a headline. And I go to Melinda's site, and it says something about practical and reliable. And that's already been SEO tested. It's been SEO tested. And I popped it in. I went, (laughs) wow, it's giving me a great score. So I'm just going to steal it for the show. And so I did. I just stole it. I said, I don't care. You know, she's on the show anyway. So. So you just, if you go to watch the show, you click on that, and that will take you to the blog post. uh, And then you scroll down the blog post. Uh, you can also hit blog at the top of the page if you want to see it as well. Mm-hmm. And you scroll down and celebrate Earth Week. And the first thing I want to talk about is our friends at the One Earth Film Festival. Boy, my dingers are just, they don't even sound like, yeah, you got your your masculine dinger there. There we go. Your, Excuse your, me? Your powerful dinger. Yeah. Um, oh, oh <laughs> with the smiley face, of course, too. Yeah, okay. Okay, I take it all back. I I take it all back. Well, maybe I need to do mine here. As opposed to, where's my other dinger? Ooh. All right. This As one a, is actually, this one is um, tuned to A sharp. Does it really say that? Uh-huh. It says it. Oh, right, my goodness. Th- what's this one tuned to? 
Let's uh, tune to the next commercial break. That's right. <laughs> uh, so the One Earth Film Festival is doing what it has done in the past, is they're having a, an Earth Week mini-fest this week, uh, starting tomorrow, from uh, and then through the 25th, uh, which is uh, next Sunday. And it's going to feature seven outstanding feature-length films and 14 shorts. There's really a, a lot going on. You should go to oneearthfilmfest.org and get all the information. But one and, of, what, Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was, you're probably the, going to talk about it. Yeah. So. Uh, one of the films, I'm all set. You don't know. You have no idea. I am uh, uh, ready to go here with this. Uh, one of the films is a reprise of, of their festival that they held in March. It's called Dolores, and it's about Dolores Huerta, um, one of the most important yet least known activists in American history. And um, I enjoyed showing their film trailers back uh, before the festival in March so much. I said, you know what, I'm, let's do another one because these are, mm-hmm. I think, are audience learns so much from just watching a film trailer and it might, you know, rather than you and I talking about this, um, it's just watch this and be inspired and then sign up for the film festival. So let's take a look at this trailer. Dolores is an icon. She's a civil rights hero. She's the first general that I followed into war. She's not afraid to speak truth to power. Dolores Huerta, who is an old friend of mine. The FBI knew how dangerous Dolores was. Dolores came up with the slogan, Si se puede. Yes, we can. You were a young girl growing up in America in the 40s. You must have had a dream. After I had seen the miserable conditions of farm workers, Cesar Chavez said, we have to organize a union. You had this ambience all around you that you could really change the world. The Beyond Question, the largest gathering on behalf of farm workers in California history. I wish they'd all go back to where they came from. We had no labor troubles. She wasn't asking for permission. She just did what needed to be done. She has such a firm belief in what she's doing. We've never given up. That she infects you with it. Dolores Huerta. 90,000 people were poisoned in the fields of the United States of America. The farm workers founded the whole idea of environmental justice. Men were threatened by her power. She's a very volatile individual. She's an insult. People wanted to see her in a more traditional role. I left a couple of my children behind. That's part of the sacrifice that we made and that we had to make. And it still pains me when I think about it. People in power have no idea of the true heroes of this country. I would not have been able to see what's hidden in the fields of our country without Dolores. We're in knee-deep in sexism when it comes to why she isn't studied and why people don't know her. Latina girls need to see statues of you. We really kind of set the record straight. I mean, women cannot be written out of history. And if that doesn't inspire you to sign up for the One Earth Film Fest 
uh, festival mini fest uh, this week during uh, Earth Week. I I don't know what will. Uh, some of the other films that are going to be shown this week are I Am Greta, A Force of Nature, mm-hmm. The Condor and the Eagle, Closing the Loop, a documentary about the circular economy revolution, Mossville, When Great Trees Fall, To Which We Belong, and The Great Green Wall. So we hope uh, folks uh, take advantage of that. And um, and again, go to wonderfilmfest.org. Uh, anything you want to add uh, about that, Peggy? Oh, there's just so much going on this week for Earth Day. And, and a lot of it's virtual, so it makes it even easier sometimes than showing up in person. But there are some in-person events, too, that we found. Right. Uh, but you also said there was something going, uh, some stuff going on over the next couple of weeks at the uh, uh, Medewin National at Tall Grass. Yeah. Yeah, so Medewin has a variety of different things happening um, on Earth Day. Um, we've got a, well, there's the whole Pedal of the Prairie. There's a, a lot of new um, bike share stations that have gone in to Medewin. But their silver anniversary panel discussion is at 6 p.m. on April 22nd, Thursday, Earth Day. Um, it's their 25th anniversary, as we've talked about on the show before, and a special panel discussion is going to feature Paul Botts, President and Executive Director of the Wetlands Initiative, Allison Cisneros of Medewin and the Nature Conservancy, Jerry Heinrich of Medewin Alliance, Gail Pindus of the Midwest uh, Medewin Heritage Association, and Joe, Joe Roth from Open Lands. And you can register if you go to the Medewin's website. Um, that is a free Earth Day celebration happening um happening there at six o'clock and um whoops hold on and there's uh sarah botka mentioned um on 424 there is a i've just lost it there is a compost collection event at plant chicago where did she uh mention this that's up in the feed um if you go to illinois.edu slash compost april 24th oh okay uh, let's see. Morton Arboretum yeah, I, I, has I'll the... tell you, as long as uh, f- folks are putting that, if you've got uh, Earth Day events that are um, you're going to be, you know about or you're participating in, um, mm-hmm. uh, please pop them up there right now. And, and a couple of people uh, commented on Dolores Huerta. Um, Mark says, I, I met her a couple of, at a couple of CTA state council meetings. Powerful lady. She's 90 years old, by the way. And, you know, if you haven't heard about her, uh, don't be surprised because this is the way we roll in America. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine was writing uh, a report, an educational report recently uh, about power and so, uh, socioeconomic power. And it's not about uh, – or, or minorities. That was it. It was about a minority. And, and what constitutes a minority? A minority is not the number of people. It's the amount of power you have. So – Women outnumber men in America, but they're still a minority because they don't have the same power that men have. And, of course, you can extend that to to blacks and uh, Latinos and Asians and LBGTQ and and, and, and just keep naming minorities. Um, Men, white men, represent 30% of the population and 70% of Congress. And that that 70% is the lowest number ever. So 
still they they represent more than twice they have more than twice their numbers represented in congress uh and and all those groups that i mentioned before have mm-hmm. not had their stories told so when you say why have i never heard of dolores huerta it's because sorry white men want it that way and so You've got to break through, and you've got to do your history. You've got to learn your history about other uh, uh, cultures, and and I and I would say races, but there are no races. That uh, that was and the other thing. And see who wrote the history books that you're researching in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Uh, so uh, thank you, Mark, That's for a whole that other comment. Topic. And uh, Eric says uh, the mic. Uh, it says uh, writes to us. It says the Huerta film is excellent. So. Obviously, somebody who watched it uh, in the spring. Um, so there you go. Uh, and uh, and if you've got uh, more uh, events coming up, let us know and we'll we'll pop them on. But meanwhile, you were talking about Sarah Back because um, uh, yeah, Sarah, Sarah mentioned there's a compost collection event on the 24th at Plant Chicago, and she says go to illinois.edu/compost/april24. I know there's a lot of other compost events, recycling events um, happening all over the place, uh, city and suburbs. The uh, Cook County Forest Preserve District, um, as well as some of the other forest preserve districts, have lots of cleanups happening. Well, I've, um, so I've got, we've got the dis- links to that. Uh, if you go yeah. to, to, again, my blog post and scroll down, uh, there's a list. There are park cleanups from Friends of the Parks, Forest Preserve mm-hmm. of Cook County activities, suburban events. Uh, Daily Herald had a list of them, uh, and then some other Chicago yeah. events, uh, and they're all there. And a lot of them are cleanups, and some of the cleanups you have to be careful because if there's a small area they uh, and there's social distancing, they might be filled. Uh, so you you might need to check and you might need to register. In the old days, you would just show up. Uh, that's not the way the world works in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marta says, Will County is offering a webinar free on April 23rd on home composting. You can go to willcountygreen.com. Thank you, Marta. And, and we're looking forward to having you on the show uh, in a few weeks uh, to talk composting. Uh, so it, it, there's, there, there's no shortage of events. Let's right. put it that way. You, you can Some you can go to. Some you can do virtually. There's, I'm looking here at the 11th annual Champion of Trees 10K Run and Walk at the Morton Arboretum. It's pre-registered. You can do it in person, but you can also do a virtual run and walk um, supporting the Arboretum's work to plant and protect trees. And I also know that uh, City of Chicago, I believe, if you, you, well, if, probably the easiest place to find it is your alderman's office, and you can do cleanup in your own yard, not in your yard, but on your own block. Um, mm-hmm. And they will ha- get you equipment, uh, gloves, and 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 implements of destruction to rake up. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, and I can tell you, there's a building down the block that I would like to give some rakes and gloves to to clean up their mess. But um, uh, and you can you can clean up your what? You got a problem with that? <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm the guy that goes out in my alley is yeah. cl- cleaning up. The, the garbage area of my neighbors because it's a mess. I, I, I can't deal with it, all right? I'm, I'm the, the crazy guy. The guy across the alley? Yeah. The, the, well, the guy across the alley is nuts, all right? So I don't want anyone to deal with him. He's the guy who his car caught on fire, 
and 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 I'm and suddenly the 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 fire department's there, and I'm like, "What's going on behind my house?" And I go open my garage door, and there's smoke pouring out of the garage behind me, and the and the and the fire department's there, and he's going, "Oh, it's okay, everything's okay, everything's okay." What? Okay, great, terrific. This is my neighbors. Um, <laughs> welcome to welcome to Logan Square. <laughs> All right. Before we oh uh, we break here, we need to let folks know that the sixty second garden video challenge returns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there we go. And I've got one. Whoop. Wrong way. There we go. Next to my uh, hippie astrums. There. Oh yes. Okay. Here we go. Because by next week <laughs> they won't be blooming anymore. And mine won't be either. Those are going to be done. They're going to be gone. So. Get a good look. Wait, should I spin them? I'm afraid if I spin them, they'll just flop. Anyway, so I can I'm see them. So last year, uh, the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, which, as you might know, is an organization uh, comprised of a bunch of organizations, about eight of Non-profit. us. Nonprofit. Uh, yeah, 501c3. How about that? And um, started by people like uh, Peggy and me. And uh, Chicago Park District, the Forest Preserve District of Cook County, Chicago Flower and Garden Show, Chicago Community Gardeners Association, Cook County Shed Extension, Aquarium. Shed Aquarium, um, and uh, we uh, advocates we, for urban agriculture. Right, and for the first three years before we had a pandemic, we were able to go and judge people's gardens uh, and give them uh, wonderful awards that the forest preserve district put together these great signs and now uh last year we did the 60 second garden video challenge uh where you do your show us your garden in 60 seconds and post it to uh chicago gardening awards.org or is it garden awards i see i always spoil. either one will get you there yeah chicago gardening awards.org mm-hmm. and um uh, and then we look at them, and basically, they just need to be under 60 seconds. I think we gave people a bonus of two seconds, all right? Otherwise, mm-hmm. then we call them and say, no, it's too long. Um, and try not to use copyrighted music. That would be a really good thing, because we don't want uh, you, YouTube to blacklist us. Um, and then just send it in. It doesn't matter if you're in Illinois or anywhere in the country or Australia. anywhere in the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it used to be just Chicago, but now... And- and the cool thing this year, yeah. we're doing two yeah. of them. Ooh. So before the snow hits, get out there and start uh, taking some photos <laughs> yeah. today for the May-June contest. Well, yeah, there's a May-June car- contest for all those people who say, well, you should have seen my garden in May. Well, you now you can, all right? Uh, and so we're going to give away uh, prizes for the gardens, the best gardens in May and then uh, May and June and then July and August. So there's a spring session and a summer session, um, and uh, it's uh, you can it's for it, there's uh, the two categories are individuals and institutions, um, and it's a people's choice deal. Uh, and I know some people are don't are not crazy about that, but um, basically it's get your friends to vote. Get, you got to give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Not a thumbs down. We don't want to see thumbs down. Although, what is with the people on YouTube? There's always somebody out there who's going to give you a thumbs down. It's like, why are you here? You, I, I'm sure there's people who just go through YouTube giving thumbs down. You know, there's you see a, a, a video that's got 17 million uh, uh, views, 
and it's got 47,000 thumbs up, and then there's 17 mm-hmm. thumbs down. You go, who, who are those people? Who are those people? But yeah. in our suite, we hope you just give them thumbs up. Uh, and if you vote for your... Yeah, give your, them a your thumbs favorite. up, and it's people's choice, yeah. Okay. So, again, go to Chicago gardeningawards.org i can see rick DeMille getting ready here so we need to take uh a short break and when we come back uh it's weather and climate with the man himself we'll be right back you have the ability to give your soil a superpower it's called composting if you don't have a backyard you need to contact collective resource compost crc has diverted 7,000 tons of food scraps since 2010 they bring you a fresh five gallon bucket or a 32 gallon neighbor tote with each pickup you fill it with organic matter from your kitchen they swap it out and get it to a commercial composting operation fight climate change go to collectiveresource.us At this time of year, we spend a lot of time indoors with our plants, so help them thrive. The plants you're viewing were treated with Leafzyme, a foliage spray designed to activate beneficial microbes already present on the leaves. A spritz every few weeks promotes growth-enhancing microorganisms that process dust and other particles into nutrition that indoor plants can absorb through their leaves for beautiful and vigorous growth. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. From small boat fishermen to your dinner table with safe, free, no-contact delivery. Sitka Salmon Shares brings premium wild Alaska seafood to your door. They're a community-supported fishery offering shares just like your local CSA. All fish is wild, caught in season with respect for the limits of the ocean. Line caught and traceable to their fleet. Use promo code NOVAK25 for $25 off the first month of a share. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com slash N-O-W-A-K. And we're back. Whoops. I ducked out for a second, and part of the problem is I didn't get back in time to uh, to set this up properly. So now you let's... left the show? You I left? left? I left the show. Oh, boy. All right. Because there we go. And now let's, let's bring in this guy. There he is. He's in the corner. Poof. There he goes. Yikes. Okay. Can I, can I get my other nostril real quickly? Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's all we got. We'll, we'll see you later, I, Rick. Okay, I, you're 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 out of there. All right. I, I just I just I just sneeze. I want to make sure I didn't have anything hanging from my nostril. Oh yeah, we want to make sure of that too. So great, thank you. Hey, I'm 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 on Zoom literally. Oh God, 24 hours a week. No, almost 27 hours during the course of the week. Mm-hmm. Too many. So I, I got to look good. I gotta That's look true. Good, yeah. All right. Yeah. So up close, not good far away, good up close. <laughs> Professor DeMaio, we're ready for your close-up. That's right. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. What, what's the next line? Um, it's something about the, the pictures haven't got – the screen hasn't gotten small. The pictures have got small. Is that the line? Peg? Something like that. Yeah. It's, no. uh... Oh, come on. Peg, Mike, Peg just gave me the line from Sunset Boulevard. I know. I know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. I know. I know exactly. But what I don't it is. remember the next but line. But the next line is uh, oh, okay, I'm sure yeah. one of our listeners will know. Like All right. Let's have our, our listeners <laughs> get the, give us that next line because uh it yeah, it's something like they'll uh, win something. Uh, yes, the winner. Uh, uh, uh lunch with Rick DeMaio at his his treat. 
Yeah, at my pandemic pad, which is about to close down. Yeah, I, I, really. Um, I, am I allowed to ask why? Uh, what's what's going on there? That yeah. you you yeah, said you're we, moving. We've been renting this place. We've been renting this place for the last year, and the market has gotten hot. Um, so the owner called us up and said, "I'm going to sell." Huh. And that's how things huh. go. Yeah. So now we're you out have of to here. find so another place have- that your map fits. Peg knows me too well Uh, we already found the place and we've been over there a couple of times going where's the map going to (laughs) go that's the map behind you for listeners who aren't aware yeah yeah. so for listeners and viewers and there's the map right now in the background all right, let's let's yeah. let's get the uh, the map there. There he is. There's the map. Uh, you can see it over his uh, left shoulder. The map. Yep. Left shoulder. How about how about both shoulders? <laughs> okay, sure. How about both shoulders? There you go. Look at that. There you go. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. You're, you're so, holding uh, the, the whole country is... on your shoulders, there, Rick. Yeah, all lower forty-eight, but uh, it's pretty amazing. But the map is from like nineteen. I don't know forty. Um, and, oh, there's, there's our, there's our duck. See our duck out there? Yep. See him? Is that yeah. plastic? Quack. Oh, no, it's real. Okay. Quack. Oh, it's real. <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you just hear a quack? I mean, look at that. That was, that, that was Peggy that. who was, who was doing the quacking. No. Um, anyway, so yeah, we're out of here next week. So you won't have me on the show, by the way. I'll be too busy. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for letting us okay. know, and we'll we'll figure out how to how to fill in somehow. So you'll 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 do fine. But um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna miss this place because it's got basically our own resident ducks and squirrels, um, and there's a blue heron that hangs out there in the um, mm-hmm. uh, in the pond. And we're only about two blocks from Lovelace Park. At Lovelace Park, if anybody knows, um, basically on the northwest corner of Evanston and the border of Wilmette is a lovely park with a huge pond. It's got a lot of ducks um, and a lot of geese. And I got a feeling that most of them come over here because <laughs> Jack's come on. <laughs> so the line, by the way, thanks to both Ernest and Diana, I am big. It's oh. the pictures that got smaller. There you go. There, there we go. go. Thank yeah. you, guys. And, and spoken from Gloria Swanson, was it? I think that's who it was, yeah. I believe um, so. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, and William Holden. Yeah, the movie actually starts out with him dead. And then it's all it's all in, in um, basically uh, uh, flashbacks. But oh, the bottom oh, line th- is... Hey, th- thanks for the spoiler alert. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> uh, 30 seconds into the movie, he's alive. So you realize that the person that... That is in the water is him. I mean, it's, All right, it's not sure. that hard. Yeah. And by the um, way, but, by the way, go on. Rosebud was his sled. A different movie, yeah. I know. I'm just giving you another spoil- oh, okay. spoiler. Okay. Right. Just, just oh, letting you, it. letting right. you know. And she could have gotten home at any point. She right. just flipped her heels right. together. That's she right. Just she, home because home. it was all in her mind. She's psycho. All right. 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 And and the fourth and final spoiler alert is that climate change is real. How about that? No, come on. That's just crazy. You're not talking about like uh, ridiculous uh, hurricanes uh, in spring, uh, are you? Tropical cyclones. Uh, 
there's, yeah. a, there's a lot going on. Yeah, this was this was actually a typhoon because in that part of the Pacific Ocean, in between the Dateline and the Malaysian Peninsula, uh, they're called typhoons. Once you get on the other side of the Malaysian Peninsula, uh, they're called tropical cyclones. So thanks for that. And um, why why is uh, that? You know what, Peg? I I think it's just because the way they started naming these back. Uh, during, you know, mariners back in the 1800s. Uh, the word typhoon um, has a derivation of to turn and to spin, uh, whereas mm-hmm. the word hurricane is actually hudakan, uh, which is a, um, an acronym for the Caribbean god of evil. So what they ended up doing was everywhere east of the Dateline, there are hurricanes in both the East Pacific and the West Atlantic. Everywhere east or actually west of the Dateline to about the Malaysian Peninsula, they're called typhoons. And everywhere in the Indian Ocean Basin, they're called tropical cyclones. And one of the reasons why we do it that way is tropical cyclones are monitored by the Indian uh, Weather Agency as well as the Australian Meteorological Agency. Mm -hmm. Once you get into um, the West Pacific, they're monitored by the uh, Japanese Meteorological Agency. In the Pacific, Mm -hmm. they're monitored by the Joint Typhoon Warning Center, which is between the U.S. and Japan. And then once you get into the Atlantic Basin, they're monitored by the United States or the National Hurricane Center. So we do it according to how um, the geo-referencing of the storms relates to the area forecast centers. But this particular storm called Surigae, uh, S-U-R-I-G-A-E, reached Category 5. And not only Category 5, but what we do in, in the Western Pacific, because storms can get so much stronger, than a cat five. This is literally like a cat six. So we call yeah. this a super typhoon. Uh, yes, and the uh, winds actually. Look at I the you, eye on that thing. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. How long ago was this photo? Ta- you sent this yesterday. So this must have been. No, I, I sent, I, oh, I might have sent that yesterday. Yeah. But I sent you an update this morning, which has uh, a link to the uh, Cooperative Institute for Meteorological Satellite Studies up, up in University of Wisconsin-Madison. When the, her- when the typhoon reached uh, wind speeds of up to 190 miles an hour. That, that wow. was estimated by satellite because obviously you can't record something like that uh, with a land-based observation. But this became a Category 5 literally within less than 36 hours. Um, it formed at about 6 degrees latitude north. Now, most hurricanes and typhoons and tropical cyclones, they can't be anywhere south of 5 because they don't feel the spin of the earth. That's the Coriolis effect. In other words, you'll never have a hurricane develop over the equator. You'll never have one cross it. So it's got to feel the spin of the earth. Huh. And literally, it had everything going for it. Ocean temperatures were about 32 degrees centigrade, which is almost 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, that's warm. But it's always that warm at 5 degrees latitude. However, the upper levels that allowed this thing to develop and the low-level flow um, made this the strongest April typhoon Ever, I mean, ever since 1950. Now, that's going back 70 years, but you're talking only mid-April. You're not even talking May or June or July. Mm-hmm. This is like right off the bat, we went Cat 5 and we went super intensification, which is a sign of things to come. Now, think about this. The only reason why this isn't big news is because it's staying away from the Philippines. It, think about if this would have went probably another 50 to maybe 75 miles further west. They would have been on the western eye of it. 
And the problem that we continue to see with these rapidly intensifying storms is that people in developing nations don't get a chance to evacuate. They don't get a chance to go, you know, we're going to get a Motel 6. We're going to put everybody in the van and we're going to take a flight to another part of the country to be safe. They don't have that option. That's what students have to know or learn or realize is that those areas not only get hit, but get hit hard and you have a huge loss of life. So that's one thing. The other thing is that we have all of these trees that are flowering like crazy. And I would not be surprised if every single magnolia tree that looks good now is done. All the, all the flowers on it are gone by Tuesday afternoon. Um, and this is what we worry about when we have these rapid warmups, third year in a row where we've hit 80 degrees, third year in a row where after we hit 80, we're going to get accumulating snow. And if we get three inches here, this will be the third year in a row we have more snow in the month of April than in the month of December. Those are crazy statistics that are becoming too normal. Wow. And, you know, uh, we were talking about that earlier, about magnolias in particular are, are the trees that will take a hit uh, at, at this time. Although uh, Melinda Myers, who's up in Milwaukee area, they're two weeks behind us. Uh, the same, we have the same shrub. Hers is just starting to bud, and mine's in full flower. Um, and so she's a little concerned about some of the buds there. But uh, So given that, what exactly do you expect to happen uh, come Tuesday? Well, first off, springtime, um, any sort of late season or early season snow has got a lot more different, a lot more variables to it than a storm <laughs> in the middle of the wintertime. Wintertime, it's cold enough. A lot of the a lot of the the motion in the atmosphere is horizontal. When you start to get temperature gradients of say 35 on the north side of the storm and 55 on the south, which could be the case in central Illinois, you begin to get more up and down, more vertical motion. That leads to what's called convection as opposed to advection. Advection is horizontal. Numerical models are it's like a it's like a screen. So you have all of these lines that crisscross, and each one of those intersections has data on it. So if you think about it, horizontal moving air covers a much larger area of a numerical model. When you have convective motion, it's a much smaller area. So the numerical models have a more difficult time trying to figure out where these little spikes, these upward vertical spikes of energy are going to develop heavier rates of snowfall. Right now, it appears that we're headed for maybe two-tenths to maybe four-tenths of an inch of liquid water. That's kind of where you start out. Then you look at your surface temperatures. Are they cold enough to allow the snow to stick? At this point, they're kind of marginal. But even if you're snowing pretty good, moderate to heavy rates at 35 degrees, that snow literally drags the cold air down, and you'll get these little teeny little pockets of air moving downward that allows that snow not only to get all the way down to the ground, I mean, we'll see snow, but whether or not it's covering the ground and whether or not it's accumulating is another story. Okay, that's, that's another question. Whether or not the lake influence could actually warm things up enough where you're going to produce not wet snow but large raindrops, I think at this point is kind of minimal. I don't think the lake is going to have that much of an impact unless the winds are really light and the precipitation is really light. But I think this kind of setup, if you're looking at an area of most concern, you're probably talking LaSalle County, Cook County, southern McHenry, southern half of Lake County, 
southward all the way to Kankakee, there's a potential, if everything works out right, you can get four to five inches of snow easily. Now, even if the snow doesn't accumulate the four to five inches, because remember, wet snow compacts, um, we'll easily see at least, I would say, six to maybe 10 hours of precipitation where temperatures are going to be in the low to mid-30s. You'll have big raindrops, big snowflakes, and that alone will be enough uh, to probably do some damage to the trees. Now, we've seen trees come back in the past before, but this this year was a little bit different than years in the past where we were 80 degrees. That ground temperature is really warm. So I think you probably have to talk to someone with a little bit more knowledge about trees and bushes and flowering shrubs to see how much of the warmth of the air and the warmth of the ground has gotten these plants thinking that it's the second week of May <laughs> and not the second week of April. You know what I'm saying from that standpoint? Um, but overall, it's going to snow. Um, it's going to, again, be a snow in April, which I know Peg has brought up you know, several times. We seem to be getting these late-season snows, and this is this high degree of variability that we continue to see. We see it in, in October, and we're seeing it in April. It seems like more and more we're getting this, and every year we seem to be talking about it. Um, and I'm, I'm going to part of it. I, this is the uh, map uh, you sent. This is the GFS model, which is yesterday. Uh, is that yesterday? No, that's from this morning. That's from this yeah, morning. No, this yeah. Morning. Okay. Yeah. Now, now it says up on the top here, where it says up on the oh, top yeah. right there, it says it says zero Z Sunday. That means that this this model run is from Saturday night. But the forecast is for is for Tuesday morning, ending Wednesday. So I basically gave it a 24-hour shot. The other map that I sent you is the European model. If you want to show that one there as well. Yeah, let me um, let me there, see if I can drag that one up there. Hang on a second, okay? So yeah, talk about this there, for a second, there, and then I'll see if I can get the yeah, other one up. Yeah, so yeah. that's showing the snow much further north on the Euro model. Uh, yeah, but what's also interesting, Peg, notice how it has that little bit of a divot of no snow right along the lakefront there. So what it's showing there is that it's showing that the lake is having somewhat of an influence or eating away at the snow. Okay, it's eating mm-hmm. away a little bit at the snow there. Um, yeah, so that's that showing. Happened, yeah, Northern Cook that, and Lake is is not in the GFS too much. Right, right. It's going to be a little bit. But again, remember, this is just accumulating snow. Okay, mm-hmm. that doesn't say that it can't snow for six to eight hours of big wet snowflakes. It just means that the ground temperature that what the model is showing is too warm to accumulate snow. You follow what I'm saying there? So so both models will show 10 hours of snow. All right. One here's, model will... here's the other model. And it, that, that was, that's the GFS. Here's the uh, Euro model. Okay. And yeah, and the GFS is the global forecast system, um, which is, has been highly advanced, or I should say we've, we've made some big improvements to it um, over the last two years. And notice again how the European model shows that little bit of a divot of no snow, again, mm. if you want to call it east of I-94 and I-294. Everybody see what I'm talking about there? Again, it's indicating that there's going to be some influence of warmer air coming in mm. off the lake. But at the same time, you know, it's showing two inches of both O'Hare and Midway. And if you live out in the southwest suburbs, you're talking three inches. And in the far southern suburbs, you're talking four to five. Yeah. Um, and so I'm looking, again, if, if you're by Lake Erie, even more in either model. 
oh god yeah this is going to be this is going to be a better storm for areas over well, um, Detroit uh, Indiana and Ohio now here here's the odd thing and again this is what meteorologists do we think about all of these different scenarios and we think of what the impacts are going to be you strictly approach it from a scientific standpoint if areas to the south of us where they've gotten a lot of their corn in gets four or five inches of snow. Do you know that that will make a farmer happy? Now the question is why? Well, I, I would, why? I would say that it's the, the usual thing about snow. Snow um, in a lot of cases is an insulator and it's going to provide slow yep. moisture into the soil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And if you get four or five inches of snow, it'll protect them from getting a hard freeze Right. And actually keep the, the, the subsoil temperatures less cold than if you would have no snow. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and like when we had uh, the um, it was interesting when we had the, the crazy three weeks in February here where we had all that snow and then we had the, those brutal temperatures. I didn't worry about my plants because they were under a foot of snow. Um, mm-hmm. And I was wondering right. about I have a shrub out there, a. Um, a, um, a rhododendron. Um, I have one rhododendron and it usually does okay. Uh, rhododendrons are not great in this area because they like, yeah. they like acidic soil and we have alkaline soil here and they don't like the cold temperatures. There's a lot of things they don't like, but la- uh, a couple of years ago we had a brutal freeze and it blasted all the buds on it and it bloomed like a skirt around the very bottom where it was in the snow this year i thought well the whole right. thing's buried i'm betting it's going to bloom and sure enough the buds are coming because they were under the snow which is the same mm-hmm. thing you're right. saying about the corn's not high enough to go getting oh, no. up no, no no it's gonna I mean, you only have seeds in the ground that's about right. it yeah okay but but a lot of farmers i was listening to uh the midwest farm report early this week and one of the meteorologists was talking about uh Never seen soil temperatures this warm this early. A lot of mm-hmm. farmers got out and got their seeds planted. And now a lot of farmers, by looking ahead to the next two weeks, are going, we're stopping any sort of uh, planting of corn. I know that we're about 5% uh, ahead of where we were last year at this time statewide. But other than that, um, this is going to be kind of an interesting scenario during the day on Tuesday. And I, I've seen it so many times. I used to have a magnolia tree in my backyard uh, when I lived in Ravenswood. And every year was a crapshoot on, yeah. on whether or not it was going to do what it was supposed to do. And, you know, they, they're beautiful for about two weeks, but it looks like everyone most likely will lose its leaves. Now, the big question is, over the next three weeks, will we get enough moisture to bring us out of what now is abnormally dry conditions? Even the next three weeks, we're looking at only – 0.64 inches of water. That's it. Wow. And then if you look at, I know, Mike, you sent me an article about this, but now this is being picked up by the national news agencies. You look at California now compared to last year, and you look at the western third of the United States, it's the worst mm-hmm. drought conditions we have ever seen up until this point in, in over 100 years. So if you thought the last two years were bad, Holy smoke, this is getting really bad. And again, the pattern does not want to get wet um, in that part of the United States. So again, now the stuff that we've been talking about week after week after week um, is being picked up by obviously national news agencies because they've been talking about it out there. But again, when you begin to get into that sensitive time of the year, 
And it's not sensitive from a time when it starts to become serious. It's sensitive from a time of when you're supposed to get the precipitation to get you out of the drought. Because you know if you don't get out of it now, um, you're into it too deep uh, when you get it. It's like, it's like failing a class midway through the semester. You don't wait until the last week to do something about it, right? Yeah. And, and if you look at this map that you sent me, um, you know, paying attention to the West, obviously in exceptional and extreme drought. But if you look east and uh, you can see that the drought is into Minnesota, Wisconsin, oh. Michigan, and mm-hmm. Northeast Illinois is, is, is in that. Yep. Yeah, and we're only, we're only level one, but it's right. kind of interesting how it's been uh, up. And uh, a friend of mine, Paul Hutner, who is the meteorologist for MPR, that's Minnesota Public Radio, uh, mm-hmm. I, I also sent you late, published a great article about how the ice fishing season was the shortest ever <laughs> on record in parts of northern Minnesota wow. because the ice just went away. And on top of that, a couple of weeks ago, Minneapolis had 85 degrees, and then they got two inches of snow last week. So the, the, the pattern, Mike and Peg, just continues to become highly variable. And I, and I keep telling people this over and over and over again. Stop thinking about planning for change. How do you think about planning for variability? It's so much more difficult to figure that out in the long term. Can I, uh, I want to show this map you sent too. This is interesting, a uh, rainfall map for the western, southwestern United States. Uh, so the dark brown areas are where you have the least rain, and there's the green areas where you have the most, and there's only one little patch of green and that's up in uh, Colorado there right in the corner um um but um uh I'm looking yeah, at the record lowest in California actually, uh, yeah that's actually Wyoming and Utah by the uh, Wienta mountain range that's I'm sorry only, Wyoming yeah 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 that's the only east-west uh major mountain range in the United States um and and it's funny the other area where they got a higher percentage is over the Bonneville salt flats Probably because they had a sprinkle of rain. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be it. Yeah. So that's uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So let me so, pop out of there. So bottom line, as as we finish up here, um, it's been chilly. The last few days have been chilly, especially near the lake. Um, I think mm-hmm. yesterday we were like the third day in a row we were like in the mid forties, right along the lakefront. I mean, it was cold. If you went and windy west of two, and windy, yeah. If you went west to 294, it was in the low 60s. Today, though, the wind turns around to the south. So uh, today will be the last mild day. We'll have a cold front come through in bits and pieces tomorrow. The warmest part of tomorrow is going to be between about 9 o'clock and about noon. Temperatures begin to lower back into the upper 40s. That'll set the stage for there's not one but two cold fronts that come through. Um, So then Tuesday, rain mixed with snow. Snow midday Tuesday into Wednesday. And I'm thinking probably hard freeze Tuesday night and Wednesday night, meaning temperatures below 28 degrees for four hours. Hard freeze. Now, it warms back up Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yet another front comes through next week. So there's actually three different cold fronts that come through before the pattern goes mild. In fact, for the month of May, uh, Climate Prediction Center has predicted literally above normal temperatures uh, for all of the Midwest, but unfortunately, not all of the Midwest, all of the United States, but unfortunately, dry conditions. I mean, when you look at the long range beyond two weeks, you're looking dry all Uh-oh. the way across the country. 
Uh, I know, I know, and that that's not good for places for places out west. So you know, it's I always say the middle of the middle of midpoint of April is like the midpoint of November. It'll kind of begin to dictate what type of what type of spring season or what type of winter season you're going to get. Um, and we're and we're looking we're looking warm and dry into the first. And to me, to me, May is becoming more and more of almost like a summer season around here. It really is. And uh, give us uh, that information again on the hard freeze. When is that and, and how long do you expect that? The hard freeze, depending on when the snow ends, uh, a hard freeze could be for about two to four hours Tuesday night, only because we'll still have some cloud cover Tuesday night into Wednesday, probably more of a six to eight hour freeze Wednesday mm-hmm. night into Thursday, only because we'll be on the back edge of the storm uh, Tuesday night. But again, um, you have anything outside that you want to be, you know, continue to con- continue to thrive. Um, Let me get those tropicals in, Mike. Yeah, I got to get them in. I got, I've got a couple of, I've already taken some plants out in the back porch, but not too many. You know, I have to, I, I got, I got a one huge one. I'm going to schlep into the basement. So it'll be ready there to you go. go. Yeah. Nothing like schlepping. <laughs> I'll be, Watch I'll those be doing a lot of them. Yeah, you are. You're going to be, you know, you got to just hire a, a college kid and, and, and have somebody carry all the boxes. You're not doing it yourself, I hope. <laughs> oh, it's not some, I'm, I'm used to it by now. <laughs> okay, fine. That's your exercise for the spring, right? Okay. Yes, it is. All right, Rick, thank you so much. Not looking forward to the dry weather or the cold weather in the next few days. Let's, uh, let's hope things get a little better. Yeah, and I'll see you. And I'll see everybody in two weeks. In two weeks. All right, you have a <laughs> have a great move. I was going to say have a great time off, but you're not. You're going to you're going to be send, not, send us some maps, anyways. We'll not them not having any fun at all. And I got to I got to figure where this guy is going to go, but I think he'll be fine. Okay, good. I hope so too. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. So we just do this. Uh, I want to thank everybody who was on the show today. Melinda Myers, of course. It's just so much fun having it. I love it. I just, I put the whole show on autopilot. <laughs> We're actually not here. Yes, that's right. And uh, 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 Deborah says, hey, Mike, what's in your basement? And Mike says, schlep. But I'm bummed. Thank you, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks on to, that note. <laughs> to Rick DeMaio. Hey, go out this week and do something fun and uh, important for uh, Earth Week. Uh, thanks to to Kathleen and to Legata and Basil the dog. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs>